listening to 90% Mental Conversations with Grant Parr, episode 93. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Lifford Hobley, former NFL player and president of the Dallas NFL Alumni Chapter, to talk about how the game of football gave him the opportunity to develop mental toughness, grit, and resiliency for life after football. Lifford shares how he transformed adversity and the loss of a family member into motivation. He also shares his appreciation for Don Shula and the opportunities he gained from one of the best football coaches in NFL history. Hi, Lifford. How are you? Doing great, Grant. How are you today? I'm glad I'm on. Got a chance to speak with you and get on your show. All right. Well, I'm I'm really excited to just to hear your mindset and your journey as a professional football player, and even when you're also in college at LSU. So I'm really interested to to hear kind of what you went through as an athlete, but then also talk about your transition out of sport and then what you're doing right now for the NFL Alumni Association. So I'm really excited to just to kind of get in your your head and and hear your thoughts about the game and, and what you went through. Okay, okay, definitely. Where do you want to start? <laughs> well, right, well, where I always like to start, which is uh, mental toughness. So what does mentally tough mean to you? Well, I tell you what, it could actually go uh, two different ways, uh, basically. You're, you know, what you expect it to do every day in life is to achieve a goal and to have a goal. And with that mindset uh, comes positive things. Regardless of how big or how small that goal may be, it gives you an opportunity to at least set one. Um, as you grow as a young, you know, young man or into a grown man, and over the years, you have to set goals for yourself. You can't go through life without goals, regardless of what you're doing. There's always going to be a goal set uh, based on, you know, how you live and what you do every day. Well, and when you look back at your whole career, uh, your collegiate and your professional football career, and I know there's a lot to draw from, but can you share a specific time where you had to be mentally tough within your career? Oh, that's every day, but you know, basically, <laughs> you know, at the at the at the next level. Let's go back to the the uh, lower level where you actually had to basically, where I'd say I would say a better word, so I would had to have made some adjustments in my life growing up in Shreveport, Louisiana, as a kid, and living at a certain standard. Uh, where, you know, everyone around you was pretty much low-income families. But, you know, you, you really, you, as kids, we, we really didn't care about that. Mm. We didn't look at that as a, uh, as a oh, man, this is bad. We're, gonna, we're not going to do well. <laughs> we were out there doing well regardless. We, we made it happen regardless of what it was. Not missing school, going to class every day, you know, basically – you know, helping your neighbors, regardless of what you were, what your life looked like, you always had, you know, basically a helping hand out for everyone else. And that's the kind of neighborhood I grew up in in Shreveport. Mm-hmm. We helped each other. So we never look back. And if we look back at our lives, we'd go like, oh, my God, we we're really poor. But when we look at ourselves as young kids, we were really successful. 
And we felt that way, and we were able to feel that way because, you know, we had something to hang our hat on. We had sports, we had each other, and we had a great time. So I can't, you know, basically pull out of my out of my my childhood and say, oh, my childhood was awful. It was not. It was fun, full, full of energy <laughs> and excitement. I can tell you that much. As you go along, um, things start to change. Uh, your goals you set start to change, and as you get to be a teenager, things that were goals become just a part of your life. They're no longer goals anymore. Now I have to set the standard a little higher. And then, of course, try and achieve something different, uh, but still spending those great times with your friends and neighbors and having a good time regardless of what you were doing. Right. Well, you can basically what you're saying is even though you had a good childhood, but, you know, living just in the environment that you, even though that you were thriving, but it, it taught you how to be mentally tough. It did. It certainly did. Uh, the the kid boys and girls I grew up with they taught you, they taught me how to be mentally tough as well. Uh, but, but otherwise, you get you get run you know, just passed by, and no one ever actually pays attention to you or you know talk to you. So you know my my neighbors, my my brothers and sisters, you know, grew up with they also the same thing. I had a I'm from a huge family. Uh, you know, basically having. Uh, seven, eight brothers and sisters around all the time uh, kind of taught you a little mental toughness as well because, mm. you know, you didn't get away with a lot of things. Uh, being that I'm the youngest of uh, a multitude of <laughs> siblings, uh, so, you know, basically 17, 17 brothers and sisters from both sides, my mother and father's. Uh, wow. Basically, my dad had 11 kids in his first marriage. His wife uh, passed uh, away. Um, basically getting together with my mom, who basically, you know, another total of seven kids there. So 17 total wow. brothers and sisters. Wow. Not all, you know, basically all were pretty much adults by the time I came along, but <laughs> still. <laughs> wow. I was, uh, uh, you know, basically a, not a burden to carry, but I had a lot to prove as a young man. Oh, I bet. I bet. Well, when you think about, <laughs> about your mindset, though, as an athlete— how would you describe your mindset? It was never the athletics that was, you know, basic. I would say, you know what, I say all athletics because I never turned down any type of function, be it baseball, basketball, football, softball, you name it, soccer. I was joining in to participate. So it was not one sport it was all sports i enjoyed uh every bit of everything and learning everything about it the rules and regulations uh what positions were what and who was you know basically where would you where do you want to end up uh, in the end game um so football, basketball, and baseball and track became those four sports that I participated in majority of my life <clears throat> as an athlete. Um, and, of course, it seems like football and basketball and baseball rose to the top. I felt like I was just as good at the other two as I was as a football player. But uh, fortunately for me, I got uh, more scholarship offers in football than I did in baseball and basketball. Got it. Got it. 
Well, being a defensive player, you know, you, you know, whether if you're offense or defense, you have to have that. You have to have a mindset. Period. But when you play defense, there's a different mindset you have to have. And when you have to, you know, I call it the switch. Like when you switch into that athlete, when you switch into that that warrior, that warrior mindset. And not every athlete goes through this transformation, but most of the time athletes will let go of who they are as a person to be this, you know, to get into their role as an athlete or a warrior. So when you think about that switch, when you played football, did you turn into anything? Was there any kind of like alter ego or anything, you know, like there's, you know, Kobe Bryant's the Black Mamba, right? So did you turn into anything or was there something that you did physically or mentally or emotionally that would allow you to switch into the football player? Well, I think I, I think I stayed myself in, in many ways, but, uh, was that part of it, the, the mindset where you can walk away from it after it's over and start and, and reset. I could, I, I felt like that was my strong point, uh, as an athlete, I could reset and not carry regardless of if it's a win or loss and not carry that over to the next, uh, whatever it may be, be it uh, the next game, the next practice day, uh, I was ready to start fresh, always, uh, regardless. I uh, didn't want to you know, basically hold on to something too long because it actually slows you down uh, and takes away from anything that you're doing to move forward. So I, I'm you know, being uh, available to different sports as a kid, I think that actually gave me an ability to transition from, okay, didn't do well there, let's move on, next thing. So it was, you know, for athletes, it's hard to kind of push things aside, but I played both sides of the ball. I was a quarterback in high school. Mm. I was a defensive back when I got to LSU. Uh, I continued on as a defensive player throughout my career, but... I still had the mindset of a quarterback. I can actually generate and understand what the off, what the other side of the ball is trying to do, and then of course understand what my needs are as well and my teammates' needs are uh, as a defensive player and uh, quarterback and a secondary as a safety and being able to make changes and transitions and then of course uh, be disappointed for a split second when things don't go your way but then be focused and ready to go when the next when the next snap is uh <laughs> it's time to get right. get going again yeah so those are the things you have to make sure you can't sit back and you know have a conversation with the official and still be pissed off at him and still get your job done you got to be able to roll you got to be ready to go forget about that that's that's you know water off you know basically water under the bridge move on let's move on and and go to the next next level right um mentally that was the best part of the game for me to be able to actually transition get hit in the mouth and get up off the ground and be ready to knock it knock a person out regardless of how hard they hit you the last time (laughs) i'm coming back for more right it's the art of falling down and getting back up 
<laughs> yep, the warrior mentality is yeah. definitely there. I can see it out there in a lot of guys. It's just that who's who's able to channel that energy um, in a positive way, you know, where it actually becomes your main thing. And uh, I was a talker, Grant, uh, on the field. <laughs> I was a, I talk crap. <laughs> to anybody and everybody, it didn't matter who you were. You were going to get something. You know, see if you doing a game, if we're on a roll, regardless or not, we're we're talking crap. And it's you know basically an ongoing thing. It wasn't something that I felt like I was trying to intimidate anybody. That was just a part of my 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 makeup. Uh, quiet person, uh, basically off the field. As a as a player, but uh, oh my God, I couldn't shut up when I was out there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It, it's those. Well, first of all, it seems like as a, as an athlete that you were really good with letting things go, and in the moment, which is hard. Like there's a lot of athletes have a hard time with that. I call it the um, the emotional bag of shit. When you actually when you go through a mistake or you have a bad play, some some of these athletes don't let go of it. And it's out of their control. And so what they do is they keep on having something around inside their spirit and their and their bodies and their minds. They have no control and they still haven't got over it, but they're still trying to play the next game or the next play. And exactly. So, right? So when you can let go of it, you have next play speed. And that's where you exactly. that's where you have the control, right? Where you're focused on the right things. And so and oh, yeah. so I think when you are talking crap, so that's the thing. I I you hear like you know like Deion Sanders or Jalen Ramsey, there's like or Richard Sherman, like all these these defensive backs, and there's a ton of other ones. They're always John. They're always getting in your ear because they're trying to. And I don't know if this was your intention, but to get you distracted. Because if I can get oh, you, yeah. if I can get you distracted and I see you frustrated, I'm gonna apply more pressure. Exactly. Yeah. You know that was the thing about it. I play behind a line of scrimmage quite often. And my big mouth could have got me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> those those two hundred those three hundred pound offensive linemen. Oh yeah. You know, you, those are the guys I was talking trash to. <laughs> right, right. I can only imagine. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't the receivers I was talking trash to. It was the defense, the offensive linemen. So mm-hmm. it was one of those things. Like you know, I'm sitting here at about two hundred pounds, soaking wet, but I'm talking garbage to these three hundred pound guys. <laughs> across the line of scrimmage, tell them they can't block me, you can't see me. I mean, it was just on and on. But, uh, you know, there was times when when I got knocked on my butt by several, you know, several times, and you, you get right back up, and you're like, hey, dust it off, let's go. Exactly. Got to. So I, I love this this question. And, again, I'm going to ask you to, to go back to a moment uh, in any part of your career, but – you know, we we talk about in society right now. We we know that the mental game is is vital. It's important. It's part of being mm-hmm. successful. And so, when you think about when you reflect on your career, can you share a moment, whether if it was in college or in professional, your biggest mental win, meaning that where you had the mental game, and then what was your worst mental fail, and how did you overcome it? I tell you what, my Worst mental fail, I lost my daughter at five years old. Mm. During the last week of training camp in 1990, 
and I had to make a decision, um, like really quickly, what am I going to do? And basically, we're going into the last week of training camp. We played the Broncos that Thursday, buried my daughter on Monday. Man. Got out of bed on Tuesday, which we're off, of course. Um, Wednesday, I had to make a decision on Wednesday morning at 5.30 because something got me out of bed and made me get up and get dressed and put my butt in a meeting room with Coach Shula uh, that morning, letting him know that I'm ready to row, I'm ready to get to work. Um, life is not planned. It just happens. And uh, I, had to, I had to understand that in order for me to be successful, in order for me to continue on to support my family and my, of course, at the time, uh, I've still had my four-year-old son at home. So <clears throat> that was a that was probably the biggest mental hurdle mm. I had to cross as a player, as a husband, as a father, to get to a point where Wednesday becomes the day I walk out on the field and start from where I took off the, the week before, mm. which was really tough, but it gave me a, a base to start with. And getting back out on the field was the probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, because it set the stage for everything that happened to me after. It showed me how using God, family, and football mm. became the three things that I enjoyed doing most. And for that part of my life throughout from 1990 until night till present day, it's just been that one obstacle that I was able to basically just kind of keep going, keep moving, keep God in my life, keep family in my life, and still keep football in my life on Saturdays. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Well, wouldn't you see, like, is it, was it, I mean, in a way, don't get me wrong, and I, I'm sorry to hear that, and, and I thank you for sharing and being vulnerable with that, but the way that you actually came out of it, which I, I always say, whether well, there's a crisis, there's an opportunity, and I'm, and I'm mm -hmm. hearing that from, from, from what you're saying, so, I mean, in a way, to deal with all those emotions, you know, and I know it's different, like Brett Favre, when his father died, which is, and there's a different dynamic sure. there, but... You know, when he had yeah. to play the very next day on a Monday Night Football and just went off and did incredible, but he was still emotional. Like, it takes a lot of chutzpah to, to, to handle those emotions. But wouldn't you think that's oh, a mental – wasn't that a mental win for you, just the way that you handled it? I tell you what, it was mentally just uh, – emotionally and mentally uh, tough. But I was able to – push forward and 
continue to operate on a level that most would probably crumble. Right. Um, yep. The special teams, the special teams captain, uh, basically running our 47 defense like clockwork. Those are the things that just kind of kept me uh, out of my own way emotionally. Mm. Um, being, you know, there, that that guy that you could actually go to. It's like boom, he's gonna get it done. Um, that's those are the things that you know basically were you you set your you set your emotions aside and deal with things as they come. Because if you continue to play at a certain level of emotion, you can drain yourself before your first four games of the yeah. seasons are over. Absolutely. <laughs> so I had to, I had to pace myself throughout that year uh, because I knew if I just continued like just running on emotion, I was going to somehow, some way just run out of gas. But I paced myself throughout the whole year. Mm. Um, it was, it was unfortunate that my, my actual that year, which was, man, I was having a great year in 1990. And, uh, it ended in the first playoff game against the Seattle Seahawks with a, with a knee injury. <laughs> it was like, wow. are you kidding me? I went through all this shit for a whole year. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and you kind of, this, this is it. This is it. And I'm going, what the heck's going on here? But you know what? It actually got me prepared for the next year because I had to rehab for a whole year and and come back and make a comeback. So I'm going, am I done? I went, not at all. I've got to work my butt off and get back out there. So that mental toughness was there because that was the second obstacle. I had to basically... Uh, you know, that was in my way that, uh, my knee was totally reconstructed and I had to come back and place and play again. Um, I, I wasn't ready to give up. So basically that 1991 year was dedicated to nothing but hard work, sweat and hard work. (laughs) I love it. Wow. And I'm, I'm very curious. Um, and I ask this a lot, uh, to our, when I have NFL players on my, um, my podcast, especially being a defensive player, um, defensive back, what was your either your best play or maybe the moment where, like, the quarterback that you intercepted or if you – I don't know if you ran back uh, pick six at all um, on any of your plays when you played, but was there, like, that moment – because I, I had somebody on my show, Marcus, uh, Marcus Anderson, and he was, he was telling me when he inter- intercepted Tom Brady – so I didn't know if there was uh-huh. any, any quarterbacks that were like very monumental to you that you actually intercepted in the game. Oh, not only intercepted, but sacks. Sacks was my thing All right. as, a, as a defensive back, as a safety. I was playing a linebacker position on, on long yardage defense for the Dolphins. I was their buck linebacker. So, you know, basically, I still lead, I'm still tight for the – for the uh, Dolphins uh, as a defensive back leader in sacks with six. Uh, I think uh, Wilson, uh, one of the you know, defensive, young defensive back, he's tied me for six, uh, the most sacks by a defensive back or, or safety 
with wow. the Miami Dolphins, so wow. I still hold that record. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> After 30 years, my name's still there. Wow. So <laughs> going. That's one of the most exciting things I thought for me as a player is sacking a quarterback. Um, you know, basically the first opportunity I got was, you know, against my old team, the Cardinals, when they moved to Arizona. You know, first my first sack came. Um, and then they basically, I think, uh, that last year I played in 93, if I hadn't, you know, basically had an injury, I think I could have led the team. <laughs> wow. I'm going to say this and with, with a lot of hoospa, <laughs> I think I may have, would have led the team in sacks that year. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it was actually happening. It was just one of those years where you're like, I got this. And, it just, you know, basically wasn't in the cards for me. After game six, I get rolled up behind by one of my guys and uh, injured that knee again, and that was it. That ended my career. Well, it didn't end my career, but I thought it was time for me to end my career during that time. So right. I gave it up and, uh, you know, pushed forward for other bigger and better things. As you're talking, uh, I mean, your brain of football, I mean, I mean, when you think of, uh, you know, Free safety, strong safety, cornerbacks, you're thinking tackles and interceptions. You're not really thinking sacks uh, for the most part. So it's really awesome that that was your brand of football. So, But when you go back and you look at the brand of football, the era of football that you played in versus today's brand of football, mm-hmm. do you think there is a, a, a different level of mental toughness? Yeah, well, uh, there is. There is. I, I see a lot more interesting injuries today versus when uh, we played in the 80s and 90s. Not that the injuries are minor, but they're actually totally, totally different than some of the injuries that were, you know, you saw a lot of knee injuries. Uh, Today, you see a lot of different, you know, muscle injuries that are keeping guys out of games which is like wow that's a you know basically um and then of course uh some really serious things that you you may see uh that of course the knee injuries but a lot more you know the achilles and ankle and high ankle sprains yeah. i could definitely dedicate that to the current uh surfaces that they're playing on today versus what we uh, we did play on grass but some of those fills were the uh turf you know basically you wear turf shoes but today's turf is actually cleats so it's kind of you know one of those okay cleats on turf kind of interesting uh but the grass is made like grass but it's not really grass so i think that can cause a lot of different things uh even concussions where guys are hitting the ground, and uh, the ground's a lot harder than it used yeah. to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a lot harder, guys, than it used to be. You're you're hitting on you. There's some dirt. There's some hard dirt underneath there. Unlike the uh, when the earth gets wet, hey, the ground gets soft. So it was you know, you're landing on something that's you know a little easier to land on. Uh, for those who still have their grass, natural grass fills, not very many. Right. No, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I haven't seen uh, natural grass football field in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, that aspect of the game, how it's being, you know, approached. Uh, of course, we did practice a lot longer 
uh, we worked a little bit harder because there was the rules are a little different today. The uh, the NFL Players Association has stepped in, and guys are you now basically. Um, I think there are some injuries that are happening that are based on the level of work, the level of work doing a week work week. Yeah. Uh, that you know those are short. These guys are playing you know basically practicing less way less than we did uh, as players uh, today. Um, I don't know if that's something that's helping them or hurting them. Mm. Um, but as far as training, that's something that you have to actually be responsible for yourself, regardless of going to OTAs or being with someone that's going to put you through whatever OTAs you feel like that you're not you're responsible for. Um, I used the Dolphins facility my entire career uh, because it, it was available. Um, I went to a university where, you know, basically we had a specific trainer and strength and conditioning coach that took us through that offseason uh, total work and put you, you, you put yourself in a position to work hard. And uh, you continued that. If you had the same work ethics in college that you take to the NFL, um, yes, you're going to work a lot less harder in the NFL than I did in college. I guaranteed I, I knew I worked a lot twice as hard in college football than I did as an NFL player. Wow. Well, when you think about dedicating yourself to the you know to your craft you know mentally physically emotionally when you look at all the players that you either played against or played with who comes to mind that like just had a mental game that was just so dialed in and just was the example of either mental toughness or having this just that football mindset um there were guys that I played with and guys that I played against I would probably definitely say one of those players that you know I only got to play a few years with was Tony Nathan mm. he was dialed in <laughs> on everything really every aspect of the <laughs> game he was dialed in that's why he ended up coaching for so long so many years right. uh as an assistant coach um you know I can say do you guys look back Dan Marino was dialed in on both sides of the ball I mean, there were there's there was times when you know you catch Dan walking up and down the sideline, hey, encouraging the defensive players, and saying things that you know basically you don't want to repeat on the oh you know in the crowd of right. uh, Christian people, but <laughs> he was there. He was there. He was a part of it. He was he definitely had he knew what was going on. He was a little animated, know, basically, huh? and what. No, yeah, he was definitely animated, but he knew what was going on when the defense was on the field. And uh, those are the kind of teammates you want, you want to play with, you want to play for, um, you know, basically. So it was, you know, in, including myself, I was totally dialed in uh, defensively. And when the offense was on the field, I knew what their game plan looked like. Mm -hmm. And I knew how how they were going to be successful against uh, the defense that I worked so hard to get them ready during their week. <laughs> right. As that, as one of those guys that was actually, you know, playing some other part and some other role and preparing the offense for the next 
available opponent as well. So you get to do those things uh, as a player. Um, and, of course, you you want to do it at the highest level so they'll get the right look and be, be very prepared uh, for things that may or may not happen during the course of the game. Got it. Got it. Interesting, interesting. Uh, well, when we, when we get to the point of you leaving football, right, how was it? How was your transition out of football? What was it like for what? you? It was, you know what, uh, Grant, starting out uh, that last year because I got injured after game six. Um, I got injured in game six against the Redskins. And then, of course, we actually play on Thanksgiving Day here in Dallas, where I live now, and my entire family's at the game, and I'm not on the field. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> was totally disappointing. Mm, I bet. <laughs> that was the most disappointing thing ever had to happen, and that was the first time my mother <laughs> came to an NFL game. Oh, wow. She really couldn't watch me play very. She just, I don't know what it was. She was in college or high school. She just couldn't watch me play football. Um, that was her thing. She's like, I can't do it. I don't want to. <laughs> wow. I said, she, Mom, it's just, she said, I can watch, sit down and watch a game with you, but I just can't watch you play. I said, so you, you got to the Cowboys game knowing knowing that I'm not going to play, but she actually showed up, <laughs> which was fine, knowing I wasn't going to play. <laughs> wow. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, getting that prepared, that prepared me uh, for that particular week. We're playing the Cowboys. I'm in the, on the sideline. I got a clipboard. <clears throat> and then two weeks later, I'm a little bit better. I'm a lot better. I'm actually ready to play, but I can't because I'm on injured reserve decision made because we needed some roster spots. So I'm lost for the year. Uh, unfortunately, we lose Lewis Oliver in that Cowboys game. Who He broke his foot, and he was out for the year. So um, not looking too good the rest of the way. That was a, probably uh, one of those seasons that I'd love to do. I want to do over. <laughs> I bet. I have a few of those. I want to do over. Yeah, I was having a great season starting. I'm like, I want to do over. But knowing, uh, you know, after you know six games, I actually was a part of that team. I needed to help every way I could. So I spent a lot of time in the meeting rooms, watching films, watching videos of this team and the next opponent so I can give our guys, hey, this is what I found. Let's let's do this. Let's use this. And, you know, basically moving through that season, unfortunately, we uh, didn't fare too well the rest of the year. I um, think we pretty much lost every game after that. Uh, but, you know, basically it was a good experience for a lot of the guys to get moving forward. And then, of course, I found for me it was time for me to make a decision, um, be a free agent uh, and go and try out for other teams, uh, continue to work out, and the hopes and dreams that the Dolphins are going to sign you back, not going to happen. So <laughs> <laughs> that I already knew. It's business, and, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's definitely a business, and I prepared myself for this business uh, as a player and as a citizen of the 
great city of Miami, Fort Lauderdale. I was prepared. I had a resume. I stepped up and I went on an interview with Eddie Jones and Jill Strafasi, and uh, I landed a position um, after I decided that, hey, I'm done with football. From the field standpoint, I do not want to coach. Um, from uh, I'd like to see my kids at least three times a week. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, yeah, I found a position, which was player program coordinator, which was available, and uh, Jill Strafasi was wearing two hats, and I don't think she really cared or cared for that very much because she had really young family at the time. So that <laughs> worked out just perfect awesome. that I was actually stepping up, and I provided a resume and uh, the background to support the position that was available. So right off the football field into the front office. Wow. Did you That's have to... what a lot of my teammates said. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool because you're still like, you left the game of football, but you, you were still connected to the game of football. I was still connected, and that position put me in a great, gave me a great opportunity to look at myself in the future. What would I like to, what would I like to do? What would I like to be in? Uh, what type of environment I, I would I like to work in? And that prepared me for what I do every day for the past 20 some years. That's great. There's, there's so many things that sports in general, but the game of football, uh, the lessons that we get from the game that allows us to be successful in life. Uh, I, you know, that's what was one of the things like I can reflect on the 13 years I played football, all the great greatness that I got from the game of football. But then when I'm in a position to, to coach, when I was coaching football and also doing mental performance coaching, I'm, I'm uh-huh. in that same position, that same mindset is to make sure these kids get the lessons because they're going to use it in life. And um, That's for sure. Yeah, and so that's that's beautiful that it set you up. I, I'm, I'm interested too because a lot, and this is a real thing for athletes, that when an athlete is so connected to their craft and to their sport and they've been doing it for a long time, it becomes mm-hmm. their identity. And I didn't know right. if, if did you deal with any like identity issues or was it hard to kind of, you know, when it came time to really separate from football, was that smooth for you or, or was that a, was that a process? Actually, uh, I, I did put it, I put myself through a process where, you know, basically I was, I was asked by Coach Shula, um, you sure you don't want to coach uh, <laughs> going into year two? Uh, going into year three, you sure you don't want to coach? You spend a lot of time in the meeting rooms. I'm like, well, yeah, I do because I want to see our team be successful. I want to win. (laughs) I don't want to just walk around the building going, well, hell, I I want to help. Uh, But no, I don't want to coach. I want it to be that guy where the player, uh, the defensive backs that are coming in that were new at the time or uh, veteran defensive back that was coming in that was in new to the content that he had to basically all that knowledge and information. What do you need? What do you need from me? And I was there for it. Um, the competitive edge of everything I did was based on, Hey, what can I do to help you? It was, didn't really matter. 
Uh, if I was going to be successful, I want to make sure they were. Um, what can I do to help your family? What can I do to help, you know, anyone that you're involved with or your nonprofit? What can I do to help? Uh, be that uh, that guy that could step in if they couldn't quarterback their situation. I wanted to be available mm-hmm. to give them at least an edge that they can actually concentrate on the, you know, basically the things that I did for eight years and hey, continue to do that. I'll have I'll take care of what's going on outside. Um, let them know that they did have someone that would back them up and perform for them outside of football. Mm-hmm. And that was the best part I take away from this this particular part of uh, sports and performance. And after it's over, I was able to actually move on to something different. Not by choice, Grant, by, by any means, <laughs> not by choice. I got downsized by Jimmy Johnson. Oh. And, yeah, I I'm, I'm still don't like you, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of people out there that have to pick a bone with him. So, <laughs> well, you know, one of those things where you're like, you're doing a really good job, and you, you know, you get that, that you, and then of course you have the president, your good friend, and then uh, alumni Eddie Jones. To, well, we I said, well, Eddie, don't please don't say that because that's what coaches say when they're getting ready to cut you. Mm. You're not getting ready to cut me. You guys are getting ready to give me a severance check. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> That was a positive uh, release right there. It was more of a, okay, how how big is the severance right. uh, check going to be? <laughs> because hey, well, there's, there, well, there's, there's not going to be a separation without a pay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a crisis. There's an opportunity. <laughs> right? That's for sure. <laughs> and it was perfect. I led on to a different career in marketing and sales and marketing and software. So that worked out for me. Uh, very well. Um, you know, basically, Grant, I got, I love football. I enjoyed it. I still do. Uh, I love the mental part of it. I love to see, you know, the the content of the game. And I love watching these great, these young coaches today do the things that somebody, even more than some of the edgy uh, veteran coaches back in the day from Miles Davis to, you know, basically the Bill Parcells and all of the great offensive coordinators and the great defensive coordinators like Tom Adovadati and some of the others, Tony Dungy, that were became really, you know, really great coaches in their, you know, long careers. Um, I enjoyed working with guys like that. I enjoyed playing for guys like that. And it's it was just amazing to have a seven-year career, and then three additional years under the tutelage of Don Chula. Wow. Most amazing thing that I ever had. Then, of course, to have the the ability to play for his one of his great coaches uh, just for a year. <laughs> just for a year. I learned more from Bill Part, from, uh, man, from Bill Lonsbarger in one year that I've learned from, I probably learned in my entire college career. Wow. That's, that's great. You, you know what I'm, that's you know, for sure. when I'm hearing like the way, like who you are as a human, like when you played, like as far as a teammate, you were about service, right? You were not only servicing your role, but servicing your team. Even when you got hurt, 
you were in service. You were making sure you're going to film and helping these, you know, these other players with the game plan. And then when you got put in the front office uh, in that position, it was about you being in service. And and we just talked about all these things that the game has given us to 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 live our lives, right? Get the lessons from the game and. And now that you are involved in the NFL Alumni Association, again, I feel like all of that service has kind of led you up to this point to be in service. Like, does that does that resonate with you? It 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 really does because you know basically, if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be preaching somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but but I like this part of it. The NFL alumni brings the opportunity to service help guys as you grow as a person you see a lot of things i i know what it looks like to be you know downtrodden out on your ass and i totally uh think there's an opportunity to help in a way as far as nfl alumni help in many ways uh players families and also community in each and every way, uh, we can d- deliver something to each of those different aspects of the NFL alumni, from players to families, communities, and children. We can definitely deliver if we're given the ability to do that by the help from the NFL. If they continue to collaborate and help us uh, meet the needs of the organizations that we provide and the communities that we provide them in. We have 34 chapters around the country. If we can get the support and continue support from the NFL owners, we can continue to support our communities. Mm. That's great. That's great. And it seems, it, it seems like it and feels like that you're just, uh, you're thriving in, being a part of the NFL Alumni Association and being, being in the role that you are in. It is. And it's, you know what? It's, it is a, it's a gratitude of a couple of things. I watched two guys, two of my teammates, go through and use what I provided to help them with and what the NFL provided them with, which is the player program coordinator provides the ability for young men if they step up to go back to school and better themselves to get their degrees, um, basically use this as a second career to plan your life uh, after football. And there, there is, I say two men because I, they were a part of the initiative of my player program, saying one of them is Troy Vincent, the other is Dwight Howard. They're both working for the NFL. Uh, Troy in the aspect of basically with uh, – just under Roger Goodell and uh, Dwight Howyer, who's who's the NFL's psychologist. So he is one of my former teammates, and so is Troy Vincent. So those two guys use everything I put in front of them to move forward. They kept the ball moving, and uh-huh. those are the kind of the things that I can I sit back and go, hmm, wow, that was pretty cool. When I, the first time I asked Troy how many credit hour credit credits you have left at University of Wisconsin, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't think I was going to follow up and keep pushing him out the door. Get out there and finish. Get out there and finish. <laughs> right. But he did. He did. He did a great job. Beautiful. And boy, I tell you, I'm so proud of him. It's just amazing. Him and Dwight did 
uh, everything that was asked of him <clears throat> on the field and off the field. And that's where the rubber meets the road. When you're when you're asking, you can perform in the manner that they have. It's a it's definitely a proud moment yeah. to look back and say, hey, these guys were a part of the things that I that were provided by the NFL and the, the things that they helped me to lay out for sure. It's and I've been a part of this um, a process where you have resources and tools available for people, and when you see people utilize them and they buy into the process and see how it changes their life, it's um, it's just a it's a beautiful experience. I can only imagine what you were feeling, you know, seeing people that you that you played football with and and setting them up for success, getting them going down going to a you know not only down a path but through a path. For success, so I, I I applaud you. I think that's great. Um, one one question here, though, before we we sign off, um, and it's you know another fairly deep question, if you will. But when you reflect on your whole career, everything you've done in your life, what have you learned the most about yourself? Well, uh, I think you said it, Grant. Uh, I'm one of those guys that actually is a service, service, real, really service guy. If I wasn't a football player, I probably would have been a Marine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> That's for sure. If I wasn't a football player or an athlete, I would have definitely been a Marine. Um, that was definitely, I don't know why, but that, particular part of the branch of service resonates with me <laughs> very well. One of my brothers was, and of course I had a, you know, several brothers, they service in each and every branch of the armed, you know, armed services. So army, Navy, air force, and Marines I had a brother in each, each category. Wow. So it left me nothing else to do, but go to college and play football. <laughs> <laughs> That's my excuse that I'm sticking to there it. There you go. I'm with it. I support it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, Lyford, thank you so much for, for being on my show and sharing your journey and your stories and just um, your mindset. I, I really, really appreciate your your energy and, and just love hearing you in service and how you've been in service through your whole life. So thank you so much for being on my show. It's a pleasure, and thing, I tell you what, I want to thank Jen, Jennifer, Jennifer Garrett for introducing us, because I think uh, she's been great. Uh, her and I were had an opportunity to get together this past weekend, and uh, she's still going to keep the ball moving. So I told her, I said, you really need to use this, and this is a great platform for you. I think you'll do really well. I think she's done well by putting us together, and I think you're going to have a great opportunity to talk to a lot more of the uh, players like myself in the future just let me know how i can help oh man thank you so much and you know you're right uh, jennifer is a she's a dynamo and uh and i'm very grateful that she connected you and i so yes we will be connecting and uh collaborating in the future for sure you got it thanks grant i appreciate it 